and residents of Angel Grove, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my non-binary comrade, Kennedy. Hey, hey, everybody. And today, we've got Ruben and Marcos from the Ain't Shit Show. The Ass Podcast, what it do. We are here. We have survived. We uh we came through from the homie future. Hell yeah. watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so just for some context, uh, a friend of mine, I had literally uh, gotten off a guest appearance of um, Ain't Shit Show recently. Had a fun time. If you guys haven't heard of it, it's basically just two homies rocking it out on the West Coast uh, and being a bunch of cholos online. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Someone said, "Someone said Cholo come town." That's but always nice. my go-to, and it's that's the best one. Honestly, yeah, it's it's the most. It works the best with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can make come town nice. You're doing a real service. We <laughs> need that humor, but yeah, not no. as not as. Imagine, imagine two, imagine two stops, two stops, and then two of them are also Nick at the same time. <laughs> that's and that's what we that's, that's what we are. That's the whole show. <laughs> it was a long ride, but we achieved it. Yeah, we got there. <laughs> well, so right after that guest appearance, uh, my friend Pablo hit me up, and he was like, hey, I, I just was made aware of a Mexican legend called Santo the Silver mm-hmm. Mask, who is a luchador. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah, so it's like Power Rangers, except they're just suited up all the time. And I was like, oh, perfect. Well, I just got off the Cholo Come Town podcast, so maybe <laughs> I could invite them on. I was looking it up and I was like, well, let me not get the movie that's in black and white. Let's at least get some like Technicolor in here. So uh, I picked Santo and the Blue Devil versus the Monsters. And I didn't I didn't have any expectations going into this because I didn't know what I was in for. I've never seen uh, Mexican films really at all. Mexican filmmaking at all. That's just not something I was exposed to as a kid. So and then on top of that, it's a movie that was made 51 years ago, which is just fucking insane. Kennedy and I, we we watch Power Rangers and we've watched like 90s Power Rangers. So we know what like television making was like back then. But I'm like, man, going way back and to like not only like do something from back then, but like the only 1970s movies that I really know of is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and Superman. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't really know what filmmaking was like back then outside of, like, some really old shit that you get introduced to in high school, right? So I was I was kind of amped. I was I was kind of amped. I wasn't – I can't say I was ever a fan, a big fan of uh, Mexican wrestling just because my only exposure to that was Lucha Libre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and it's I just, all good. I remember not liking that show too much. Yeah, Mucha Lucha, the show? I remember Mucha Lucha. Oh, I remember that show, yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. the shit. Growing up, Lucha Libre was always presented as, like, not something to watch as a child because it, like, condoned violence. My mom would always tell me that, like, it wasn't really for me as a kid. But, yeah, I grew up with a lot of Mexican cinema stuff going back to, like, Tintan and Cantinflas. And so Santo is, like, really, really popular, like, very, very much a legend. And almost everybody has heard about him. So when you guys showed me the movie, I was like, oh, this guy, like, <laughs> I was like super ready for it. I knew it was going to be great and bad, <laughs> but it was it was a good watch. Definitely threw me back to like hanging out with my grandma and like watching like old movies where they all sing and stuff. And it was cool. 
the iconography can we just say that the iconography of like a mexican wrestler like a big ass brown dude like a big huge brown dude in a suit and tie or like wearing the the turtlenecks those those wavy ass turtlenecks (laughs) and then and the mask and never taking it off no and like dude whipping people's ass in dress shoes is like (laughs) you understand that iconography i'm I'm like recontextual. I want to bring it back. We're the it's the ancient real. show is now. Yeah, we're bringing it back. Like, like it's like it's it's real. Like, you know, like it's so visceral because, like, even some of the special mm. effects, like, uh, by special effects, I mean like the practical effects that are going on with like how they do blood and shit, and it's kind of just like ketchup or red paint or something. Mm. But even like the imagery of that, even with the low fucking budget, like that shit was brutal fucking brutal and there's something to be said yo americans fucking ruin everything wwe would never do this shit on cinema even in its inception they would have never done shit like this in the 70s in like in the very beginning of the show you have to like realize the context that this was in the 70s or not the show but the movie there is a there's uh what is it female fighters in the very beginning Oh yeah, <laughs> and Santos watching them. I noticed three things like immediately, right? And one of them was that like if you ever watch movies in the seventies with women, like in like American movies, they're always presented as extremely petite, very thin, just kind of you get that er bimbo fied. You know what I'm saying? Like before it existed, before yeah. The thing. I immediately that noticed bit. that too. By the way, that, yeah, that yeah, yeah. I know exactly what right? you're saying. Yeah. But these women were thick as fuck, yep. and like, like I'm talking big ass, strong legs. Like, Damn, Mexico lit- had it right. Mexico exactly. had it right. And they, Where they the were fuck doing- was this? Why was I never exposed to this? <laughs> and they were like body slamming each other, and it was not fake. It was real. They were like actually going. Oh, yeah. it was there was no and fucking I- body doubles in this movie. These people yeah, are funny. out here like fucking clobbering each other, like, and there's no roids, or at least not like intense roids, like you see now. Like the mm-hmm. the way these these people were built, it was like natural. Like I felt right. like Real if I bulked up, I could be that, you know, without yeah. needing roids. But yeah. they they don't look like chunks of meat, you know, like big right. fucking. They're, they're walls. not like top. They're not like top heavy Baywatch motherfuckers. They're like you know fucking tree stocks. <laughs> they're fucking, so like, they're fucking aerodynamic like and shit. And buff. <laughs> the yeah. funny thing though is that the the movie still describes them in this way, like oh, you know, the women they don't have the strength, but they're agile, and like yeah, right? <laughs> keeps narrating about them as if they're like. But it's like you're looking, you're like, no, this woman. To beat anyone I know in a fight. What are you talking about? She's not strong. Yeah, it was like a, it was like that one fucking tweet. Uh, it was it was it was like pulling off a woke misogyny. <laughs> in the seventies is a huge deal because that shit did yeah. not exist. That's progressively yeah. like that is amazing. But no, I think one of the interesting things about the whole. So my grand my my dad used to take me like to so. When I was growing up, there's this, like these like county fairs, and uh, in the Central Valley, they had them all the time, and they were like ran, like they were Mexican immigrants. They're like Mexican county fairs. I don't know how to explain them other than they were just, and they used to have people like they would paint a donkey like a zebra, and they would like put like a lion's mane coat on like a horse and shit, and like put like get roosters dressed up like people, 
And then they would all also make like these big masks and stuff, like monster masks and monster prosthetics. And they were made yeah. out of like paper mache and shit. But they were so well executed that like they didn't look real at all. But like seeing them was like as as a kid would like blow my mind. And Cyclops, this when he fights the Cyclops, oh yeah, that was literally lifted from like my it it unlocked some deep memory of me going back to the to those like Mexican county fairs where it was just like literally just like a I don't know like a dude in a paper mache mon like monster costume walking around. Going, it was literally brought me all the way back. I was like five years old again watching that shit and i was like whoa what the fuck is this dude but yeah the practical effects on all that shit for the 70s ridiculous yeah i i was i was astounded by it at that point i i knew this episode like when i was as soon as i started watching the movie the first five minutes i was like i i messaged kennedy and i told kennedy i was like this episode is gonna be fantastic like i could feel it in my fucking bones because the way this movie starts is just right out the fucking gate. I'm You're like, right. yep. Amazing. Yeah, this was a this was a this was a good pick. Would you guys agree with the description that it's like Mexican tokusatsu? Oh, big time. Yeah, very much. It's so what I find interesting about it too is like there's very much like a a weird like aesthetic there's a weird focus on aesthetics in it that isn't really that like the uh power ranger series and, and the japanese power ranger series they like at large they've always had like this really deep aesthetic understanding of like the costumes have to be cool right nobody none of these kids are gonna buy our shit unless these costumes are cool and i think like the mexican the mexican kind of version of that was not aimed at kids it was aimed at adults it was like we gotta look cool as fuck or yeah. else no one's gonna take us seriously and like the 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 like the iconography like i said before the iconography of wearing a fucking full-on suit so you look like a respectable businessman but wearing like they used to wear so they're i don't know if you've checked the shoes when they're not fighting they're wearing uh wrestling boots and when they are fighting they're wearing dress shoes i noticed that and i think i was like there's like a subtle nod to like look when I'm not about that business, I'm ready for that business. And when I am about that business, I'm gonna professionally fuck you up. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad I have that understanding now because I thought that this was also meant for kids too. Because this was around the time of like the MPAA just getting established in the United States. So I was like, oh no, like films were just like ah fun for the whole family and it has like people get fucking murked and shit it's just brutal <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah no you have to understand like like mexican culture not that it's not kid friendly but there's no real like especially growing up when i was a kid my one of my favorite movies growing up was fucking um what is it was goodfellas i remember like getting in trouble like in the in the third grade because they asked me what my favorite movie was and i was like goodfellas old <laughs> fiction and they're like what the fuck? and it's because in a mexican household your my at least my parents didn't really like keep me from the world the way that the world is you know yeah my like, mom what? my mom was big on that like like not having me listen to uh explicit tracks or whatever and like watching R-rated movies or playing M-rated games, my dad bought me Duke Nukem '64, 
<laughs> and like i was yeah. watching matrix i was you know i was watching all those movies and what he would just be like just cover your eyes during the the sex scenes <laughs> or whatever you know right or like <laughs> you can listen to curses you just can't say them and i'm like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that that was always cool i i, I yeah. enjoy that shit a lot but he, even like i don't know like any kind of mexican tv shows or anything like with the exception of, of fairly recently it children's entertainment is a recent development right because entertainment has always just been entertainment in mexico like it's just it's something that you watch because it's fun or funny or you know dramatic even like the novellas novellas are like one of the biggest exports from mexico and those like are purely aimed like their their whole entire audience is like older women <laughs> so like you know what i'm saying like they literally they have mexico has a is much better at delivering content to their specific demographic than i think like america is america's well, trying yeah, to go I for a big piece of the pie i remember being like six years old in my living room at my grandparents' house. My grandparents' house has a, a Sabado Gigante on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh hell yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. that's not for kids. No, I mean, but that, that was that every is, weekend. That is another great example of how much the Lucha Libre, like, aesthetic seeped into the culture. Like, in Sabado Gigante, there's El Chacal, and that's the guy that comes out to pull off the talent if they suck. Yeah, 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 they yeah, always yeah. say El Chacal, and then he comes out and he he's wearing a Lucha Libre mask, and he'll pull the fucking performers off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also uh, Jackie Chan Adventures. There's that one character who has the ox That's talisman. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a luchador. I was just watching RuPaul uh, the other night with my girlfriend, and. There was this girl who did this amazing outfit, but it was El literally Toro. just ripped. It, it was literally just ripped out of a Lucha Libre like women's catalog, and it was just literally like all blue leotard, blue mask, and she had like a blonde ponytail, and she was like whipping it around. It's fucking tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and get started, Kennedy. How does this movie start? Well, as we already kind of indicated, it starts with some wrestling. <clears throat> Uh, it starts in the ring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> starts in the ring. Uh, first we have uh, some female luchadors, then some male luchadors. Just kind of well, they're not all strictly luchadors, I guess, because the some of them don't have masks on, That's... and I don't know. Does it? So, where, luchador, where do you thought... uh, a luchador is literally just someone who goes in the ring. Oh, okay. so not, not Sorry, everyone has bad. a. Yeah, no, no, it's okay. all good. It makes sense. They're kind of going at it, and Santos just kind of hanging by the sidelines, watching, appreciating this moment. Um, it's not entirely clear why this happens, except to get you hype. It does work. Um, <laughs> the next scene is Santo and the Blue Demon hanging out in an office, and they're talking about some like shit that's been going on in the news. Um, and there's this evil scientist, Dr. Halder, and he's pretty much like your textbook evil scientist. And he's passed away, but before he died, he kind of hinted that uh, he had some evil project that, you know, that you hadn't seen the last of him. Santo and the Blue Demon are kind of sitting there discussing this, and they start to feel like maybe, maybe there's some concern here. And in particular, Blue Demon is like, I'm going to do some investigating if I have to, because I don't think this is resolved. And that's kind of how the movie pretty much sets itself up. 
Yeah, it, it comes straight out the gate, like, just fucking balls to the wall. Like I said, WWE would never do shit like this. Like, I've watched, I've watched some John Cena, okay? I've watched, like, <laughs> some WWE movies for sure. And uh, you would never see a never scene cool. where uh, a bunch of thick women, like, their whole, and I, I, I got to reiterate, like, you know, we, we talked about, like, woke misogyny. But, like, even their outfits aren't really sexualized. It's just, like, no, I'm fucking all, wrestling, you know? Yeah. I'm not trying to get, like, my cape torn off or something like that in the middle of a fight. Um, yeah, no, they're tr- they're trying to put the hurting on each other. Yeah. It's sick. It's, it's sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In that scene where Santo is, like, telling him about the doctor, <laughs> he's, like, he's basically, like, like, this guy's dead, like, and he said he was going to come back. Like, don't you think we should do something about it? And then Blue Demon is literally just, like, Nah, man, it's cool. I got it. And Santa's like, Nah, dude, we should both go. And he's like, Nah, man, take care of your lady. Yo, enjoy your day off. Yeah, he's like, Enjoy your day off. Take care of your lady. You fucking go. <laughs> I legitimately, every time they kept bringing up the scientists, I kept like in my mind, like, Oh, that's Elote Musk, bro. i thought it was like so what happened was is uh lenin's soul split in two and there's a good one and there's a bad one and they were reborn in mexico and then uh they split apart capitalist the capitalist lenin is alive in mexico (laughs) yeah half russian half mexican (laughs) the worst the scariest combo (laughs) oh my god yeah that was i'm telling you it looked just like lenin it was crazy and Blue Demon had a pretty strong introduction too. Blue Demon's match, yeah, it wasn't as strong as the women fighting, but that was mostly <laughs> because, not. <laughs> which is kind of funny for sure. <laughs> Again, no mud shit, none of that like fucking yeah. glamorized bullshit. Nah, there's um, a point when a girl literally gets like her, she gets the gut buster sideways, <laughs> and it like. I could see the like I could see the soul leave her body as, as she <laughs> and like the, she goes limp and I'm like oh they killed her like they just killed her in the first I'm, five I'm seconds. I'm pretty sure they just movie. filmed a random match. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm yeah. pretty sure they just went to the ring and filmed a match that happened. Yeah, that like, it's I'm so fucking real. It's even the crowd reactions and everything. Yeah, because they're fucking going at it. Like they legit look like they're in a ring. Like. I'm like yeah. fucking was- gasping for air over here. Sorry. Jeez, I'm so excited to talk about it. You know what was sick about that whole thing, by the way? You said like the wrestling match should happen for no reason. It wasn't that it, the whole point of that wrestling match was actually to set the vibe of the rest of the movie. Yeah. And we need, honestly, we need to go back to that methodology of making movies where the first scene just sets the vibe, right? Like, hey, look, none of this has anything to do with this, but this is the vibe. This is where we're at right now. And yeah. then that's. That's because it was perfect because the rest of the it set me up perfectly. Said I knew what the rest of the movie was going to be about. Yeah, because as soon as like as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, I'm in. Right. Yeah. And then uh, the uh, Blue Demon's introduction was pretty strong. Like his his style of wrestling was very like I'm like leaping over you and shit. I'm doing aerobics and stuff, you know, and we're talking about a dude who's probably like 230 pounds. Like these are some like Italian gangster levels of like looking uh buff type motherfuckers but they look achievable right mm. like that could be you you could be santo you could be blue demon you yeah, know that's the, tonight, that's the cool <laughs> shit right that's the cool shit 
And, uh, yeah, I was very, very happy about that. And I think another thing that we didn't touch on was this movie also starts off with, like, the introduction of the characters in the movie, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, like, oh, almost, yeah. it's like almost I, 10 minutes. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot the intro because I was just thinking, like, plot recap. And technically, it's not really plot, but what an intro. Just every single important character in the entire film just one after the other, just dramatically posing. Yeah, it's like WWE. It's like WWE intros where they like fucking get on, they fucking get out, and they're like yeah. wrapping the crowd up and shit. I'm like, yo, yeah. you could totally remake this and like just fucking do some like Kamen Rider Zero One, like some uh fucking Power Ranger shit on there. Be amazing. Love it. Honestly. I was convinced it was a tokusatsu from that moment, too. Yes. Because that's how tokusatsus start, too, is you have everybody, here's the characters, and they're all, like, you know, leaping through a burning window or whatever and then doing a karate pose. And it's, like, that's, you know, that's, like, every Power Rangers intro that we've ever seen. So I was just, I saw that, and I was like, okay, I know what I'm here for, well, and I'm ready. Yeah, and another thing that Mexican <laughs> Mexican cinema did with this movie that's really fucking cool, they didn't think that their audience was fucking stupid and try and come up with a fucking origin story. They were like, no, <laughs> whatsoever. you know these characters. This is a vampire. This is a vampire woman. This is a werewolf. This was, is Frankenstein. Oh, vampire and vampire woman. That was one of my favorite part of the intro for sure. Vampiro. <laughs> La vampira. <laughs> Yeah, no, I like that they go, they literally go to like wake up a mummy and then they're, but they don't explain why, they just do it. Carry that motherfucker out. You read the movie title <laughs> Santo and Blue Demon versus, versus the, monster. the Monsters. You know what you're in for. I think the biggest twist was when you find out that the one they make the Blue Demon double, but we'll get to that. But we'll get to that. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure, for sure. I think I thought it was sick that they literally there was no origin story. You're right. There was no origin story. They were like, yo, the mummy is real and we're going to go get him. <laughs> <laughs> Who needs the fucking monster verse when you could just watch yeah. this movie? Seriously. <laughs> uh, and I mean, of course, it works because they're relying on a lot of like pop culture monsters that people just kind of relate to in general, especially you know, in the Americas and in, like, Europe, uh, where a lot of these, like, particular stories originated. But, like, yeah, so, you know, you don't really... Does anyone have to explain who the mummy is? No. Vampire? I, no. We I know what's up. I guarantee you they brought... The only reason why they brought the Cyclops in was because, like, one of their uncles or one of their cousins was hella good at, like, sculpting. And they were just like, yo, put him in the movie, bro. Yeah, put him in there, bro. And just put him in there, bro. It's like and one then... of the best parts of the movie, to be honest. Yeah, Cyclops, the Cyclops design, although, like, yeah. you know, very low budget or whatever, what they did with that money was incredible. Yeah. Like, it's a good wow. Suit. Yeah. It's pretty good. To contrast, again, with American cinema, you had stuff like Conan, right? Where you had Arnold Schwarzenegger on. And Arnold Schwarzenegger couldn't speak, like, really good English. So it took a while for, like, American audiences to warm up. But, like, because Santo is in his native homeland, we don't have to worry about whether his voice is going to sound bad or not. And, my God, like, for a man who covers his face and you can't really see facial expressions, it's like oh, some yeah. Geralt of Rivia type shit 
where it's like minimum expression for like maximum yield. output yield yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah he literally there's a point i think there's a point when uh when he's like the dude challenges him and he knows it's no challenge and he gives him this like bro really look but without and you can't see his face but you can see through his body language he's like bro like like yo why you don't want smoke and he does that literally with nothing like no there's and no he also sounds really good on the mic like oh yeah yeah, yeah. santo yeah. santo i'm like yo that man like that man's <laughs> presence on screen is incredible absolutely legendary. radio if he didn't he's, want to wrestle he's running for mayor of mexico city i think like on some real shit no blue demon right now blue demon, blue demon. okay yeah, i was right gonna now. say santo's dead <laughs> oh yeah not santo sorry blue demon is running for well, they, they called the doctor. They're bringing Santo back. But I'll sign that petition. Money, whatever I have to do. <laughs> Blue Demon is running for mayor of Mexico City right now, as we speak. That's crazy. Yeah, and I he cool. he's gonna get it. He's gonna get it. He's probably the only person. Is he running home. as Blue Demon? I yeah, I think so. No, like, literally, like no, like, yeah, dude. He does appear. He does appearances in his mask and shit. Oh my god, I love that so much. Oh my god. Hey, bro. <laughs> All right. Holy shit, that rules. I'm so glad you mentioned oh, yeah. um, body language. Because Santo does just... He he knows how to just kind of throw himself around a little bit, lean, you know, move his arms a little, and then you just know that it's like he's he's good or he's mad or, you know, you he's see curious it in his or eyes. whatever. He like, really, he like really the conveys slight, it. Like... The slight pretty... movement in his eyes and shit. Just even yeah. that part. Cause cause the thing is, 70s cinema, like they didn't have like the fucking rollers as abundant as they do now, where they can do these dynamic camera shots. So like mm. a lot of this shit is like they'll fucking plant the camera <laughs> and that shit staying there the whole time. It feels like I am a bystander watching what's going on with my two eyes, and I'm just standing still as it's happening. And it makes like every scene very visceral <laughs> because it's it's so yeah. much more standing shots it, it to be fair though it's not as great as i make it out to be because there are moments later in the film where it's like all right you know <laughs> kind of need a little bit more uh need a little bit more footage here need a little bit more camera angles to make this work. right right for a bunch of these shots like a lot of these actors really have to like move around on set they can't rely on zoom-ins, really. They can't rely on, like, certain, like, digital techniques or analog switches that we have now. Um, so e even there are times in this in this uh, movie where they'll do, like, a camera pan, and that shit ain't clean. That's just, like, no. a little, that's no, a little no. chunky. <laughs> Shaky as fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's a little we chunky. I think in the very beginning, there's a, there's a cut like that, and it's literally, like, the camera's panning, and it literally just cuts like two seconds later and it's all fucked up but but it's fine it's fine because you know they're like fuck it just do it live <laughs> just, they just send it <laughs> i mean back then in general we didn't have a lot of things both in terms of technology or techniques that we right. have now for filmmaking and like you know for setting up shots like that you didn't have a perfect frame mm -hmm. you had a lens yeah. now we have these perfect digital you know displays that show you pretty much exactly what you're going to record they didn't have the luxury of that back then. So you just had to get these shots. And then later when you're editing them, you're like, well, that one wasn't perfect. Oh, well. And you move on because yeah. there's, there's nothing left to do. Uh, but what's cool about this, I will say, is that a lot of like 60s and 70s movies still don't really know what a film is. 
Like people still hadn't quite figured it out. And you'll watch movies from the 60s and 70s sometimes that just make no sense at all because they just don't know how to like tell a story on film and like with the sort of modern expectations that we have now. This actually did pretty well, which mm -hmm. I was really impressed by um, because I've watched a lot of movies of this era that just bomb. I mean, there's a reason why we only really remember a few as like great storytelling of the era. It's because most of them really weren't good. <laughs> so I mean, something, something interesting about like Mexican, uh, I guess like the historical context of like Mexican films and, and how they, they're not really influenced by American, like Hollywood films. And the reason why they weren't influenced by Hollywood films was because for the most part, audiences weren't interested in Hollywood movies. A lot of the time, a lot of the movies that made it over, like that were brought in from other countries were like Italian movies. So like, if you look at like the way Italian movies were shot in the 60s and 70s, Italian movies are much more beautiful. Even like Spaghetti Westerns, they were like immaculately shot. And a lot of that had to do with like a better and broader understanding of cinematography based on like, you know, uh, an appreciation of fine art that just didn't exist in American Hollywood. And yeah. so like, what's interesting is that that style of like being interested in movies from like, there's actually a huge like German movie buff population in Mexico. I have no idea why, but uh, like, so lots of like German, Lithuanian movies, uh, Italian movies, French movies. <clears throat> Those were the, the Menonas. Oh yeah, you're telling me. There's like a Spanish, there's like a sect of German settlers uh, that came over during World War II. And I think before, since before too, but yeah, they came over and that's basically where we get like polka and shit from, is from, sorry, yeah. that's where we get like, you know, Banda, yeah. banda yeah, there we go, sorry, yeah. my bad. Banda, banda music. Polka music, yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyways. Which, which goes to show you, like, like Mexican, Mexican culture in general, actually, I, I always, I always say at a longer, in a bigger scope, Latino culture in general is essentially taking like scraps taking little bits and pieces cobbling that shit and making it your own and like you look at like mexican cinema because there are a lot of like mexican movies that are like immaculately shot for the time that they're shot at and like this one isn't immaculately shot but it's also kind of like just a it's a movie it's a movie made for the sake of entertainment which i don't think we really have any context especially nowadays americans don't have the context for movies that were made purely just to entertain you not there's like no all the deeper meanings that you pull out of them are purely you pulling them out of there and that doesn't matter uh because they're here just to make you laugh a good time and see some giant dudes beat up each other and so like if you look at mexican this like this particular example there is a lot of like italian influence in how it Definitely. was shot where like camera stuck right here the blocking of the actors is kind of like they're in a constant motion and it creates movement within the frame without them actually having to like, you know, move the camera around, which, you know, like Grav said, it's, it's great. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I got to ask before I forget, uh, thoughts on Guillermo del Toro. Is that, is that a king oh, that man. we stand? I like him, but he's up his own ass, but I love <laughs> this man. He, he like, the moment he started seeing himself as like a fantasy, like like the Mexican H.P. Lovecraft, I kind of stopped paying attention to him. But like his old shit when he was making like Kronos, have you ever seen his Kronos' first film? With, uh, Amazing. Yes. The dude pulled magic from nothing. Like he literally just like made 
a movie with no budget, <laughs> yeah, no, no fucking nothing. <laughs> and he made just one of the like most aesthetically beautiful but creepy movies. And he's got this ability. In fact, I'll say, and people get mad at me for this all the time, but it's it's my truth, and I'm gonna say it. His best film of all time, hands down, was Blade Two. <laughs> Everyone can shut up. Oh. Blade Two was his. You best. know, was... I mean, I'll take that. I don't know if I'll agree hundred percent, but I'll take that. That's <laughs> an acceptable <laughs> answer. Blade Two. Was... Blade Two was such a good movie that nobody gives. It's the Dark Knight before the Dark Knight, like where the where a movie was infinitely better than the first one. That's literally. It's what... true. Yeah. I do like a lot of the kid-friendly stuff he's been making, though. Like, my niece is, like, hella into... What was it? The Trolls thing that he released on Netflix? He made, like, an animated series, and it was it was pretty interesting. I even caught myself watching it. But, um, yeah, it's not that long. It's, like, a couple seasons, but she's super into it. I do appreciate that. And, like, the way that he, like, blended in, like, Latino culture into, the like, the everyday of that show. Like, he just does it in passing. And it's it's very well done. Like you wouldn't really know that they're referring to like specific elements of Latino culture or speaking Spanish or saying Spanish things in the show because they just does it in passing so easily that like I didn't even know it was literally I didn't even know it was Guillermo del Toro until I fucking looked up and was told like who was fucking making the fucking show. So it's like, oh sick. But yeah, I, I do like that a lot. I like that he's branching out. I mean, it's not like the best, but you know, everybody's got to change after a while. And that's the same thing with, like, Mexican cinema, you know? It had to eventually branch out towards, like, catering towards children because, you know, who takes the kids out to go watch the movies is their parents. You can't just make movies for, like, adults all the time because then people aren't going to want to watch your shit. <laughs> yeah. I I got to say, like, unfortunately, my introduction to Guillermo was uh, Hellboy 1. And I didn't even know that was a Guillermo del Toro movie. Yeah, and the sequel, Hellboy Two, was also. A I didn't know. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, both of them. I just, I don't know. I didn't like it when I was a kid. Uh, I thought it was okay, but for some reason, uh, I saw that it was like a cult classic recently, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. I mean, that's cool. Unfortunately, though, like my my father was one of those, uh, you know, macho machismo uh, guys who like wore white tees with gold chains and uh, sweatpants on on a Saturday. With the rolly mm. on, going out for the night. Say. You don't. You don't. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything else. What are you trying to say? You, you just, you just need the rolly. That speaks for itself. So like, he was always about that action. You know. So if the movie didn't have a lot of really good action, he didn't like the movie. Uh, so right. you know, when you're a kid, you just glomp onto whatever your parents' tastes are. So I was like, ah, uh, doesn't have a lot of action. Mm -hmm. Not mm -hmm. that good. Oh, okay. So. Blade Two. Stop what you're doing. Watch Blade Two. Blade 2 has tons of action. It's got, uh, like, there's nothing really, like, particularly Latino about it. But I think what I like about it is that uh, Guillermo del Toro understands the Blade character and that Blade is at his best when he's, like, shutting the fuck up. Right? And I think that's where, like, Blade, that's where, like, Blade 3 went wrong because they try to have him explain and have backstory and talk about it. Yeah. The moment he starts talking, shut up, dude. It's not what we're here for. We're here to see you do this with a knife or a sword and then stab a guy in the neck. That's what we're here to do. And Yuma del Toro understands that. And when you're watching that movie, everyone else has backstory, has character, has arc, and that makes him interesting. But then Blade will come and just stab him in the neck. And that's like literally <laughs> the whole, it's, it's a perfect it's a perfect film. I will I will die on the hill that it is better than Citizen Kane. 
<laughs> like that is... <laughs> I'll give I'll give you that easy. Yeah, Citizen Kane is so overrated. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> top ten film of all time. Easy. In the meantime, while Santo and the Blue Demon are discussing Doctor Halder and what to do, these supernatural matters. Doctor Halder's minions go get his body from the cemetery and take it back to the castle. And at the castle. They have this like complete, like perfect seventies mad villain setup, like just com- total nonsense machines everywhere, tubes going into stuff, you know, wires everywhere. I love that so much, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> you know what was super sick about it is that it was in a cave, so it didn't yes. make sense. It wasn't like in a lab, right? It had all this laboratory equipment just exposed to the raw elements in a cave which is and the they, thickest way to have a cave like the aesthetics of the whole there's this just whole mismatch of aesthetics going on <laughs> it, yeah it was sick you know what was interesting to me too was that his was it his brother or his cousin the the good professor the good his professor. brother his brother, his brother. brother. Okay, yeah. see lenin's yeah. soul split in two yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is it? And that was Blue Demon's lady. I don't, I don't think she was. I think she's an American actress, but her Spanish was really good. Did was you really notice? Good. Yeah, yeah, it was surprisingly well. But she's an American actress. Was it speaking of Spanish? Was it Blue Did you guys Demon's watch it with subtitles? Or yes, I watched it with subtitles. Fucking pussies. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit my Spanish is just mediocre, and I really should do better because I I live in a place where I my, I wholly I wholly admit I'm so a fraud. So you live in <laughs> I live in New Mexico. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I uh, I only speak kitchen Spanish, so wow. Yeah, yeah. Yo, you know this about way. me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, take off your mask that's now. like me. I know food words because kitchen work. Exactly. My yeah. grandparents talk to me in Spanish, and I'm like, oh, shit, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and I converse with you. And then the next thing I know, I go outside, and somebody talks to me in Spanish. I'm like, excuse me, I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I don't talk Spanish. <laughs> I, I don't know if I remember correctly, but I'm pretty sure that the, the good scientists – that's like the sorry that the lady, <laughs> the female actor, uh, Santa's wife or girlfriend or whatever. I'm pretty sure that's his da- that's her dad. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Okay. And that, was, yeah, that, that was that's Santo's point. girlfriend, not Blue Demons, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's Santo. It's Santo's. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Blue, okay. Demon, Blue yeah. Demon is he's too good for a girl. Yeah. He's too. Yeah. He's he's going stag. Yeah, ain't got time he's for Roman pose. free right now. Not a big deal. <laughs> they call him Blue Demon because he also got the blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So, uh, Blue Demon goes to the castle to investigate what's going on, and sure enough, he spies them. They are trying to resurrect Doctor Halder. He's coming back to life. Uh, and uh, he's got a whole variety of interesting minions performing this task. <laughs> One of them is probably pretty problematic and wouldn't be done now, but we'll you know, <laughs> just ignore that for the most part. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, he gets caught, though, and there's a fight, there's a struggle, 
but he ultimately loses the fight. And uh, they, Dr. Halder is back to life, and he's like, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll clone Blue Demon. Wouldn't that be interesting? Um, and he'll be like the leader of my new monster squad. Also, I'm forming a monster squad. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I like that he had a whole ass crowd of Frankensteins. He had like a whole like. I was one... gonna say, were they related Frank... or were they just ghouls? They're no, they're ghouls. Frankenstein's. They were they were resurrected yeah. humans, but they weren't Frankenstein. Yeah, they were. Also, <laughs> how the fuck do you pronounce that name? Like, I don't get it because it's not it's not spelled like Frankenstein. It's like Frankenstein. 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 I'm not kidding. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Okay, I was like, what? Or it could. I don't remember how they were saying it because I don't remember them saying Frankenstein. They never. They never say Frankenstein. I don't think they say it. I get. I think in Spanish that we say. Frankenstein. Yeah, Frankenstein. I think the only one that gets name checked is the vampire. For good reason. The vampire is like <laughs> we'll get to it, but holy shit, the vampires yeah, are ridiculous. They don't call him Dracula, right? <laughs> yeah, they don't call him Dracula. It's just vampire. Just vampire. El vampiro. Yeah. Did yeah. anyone notice I I felt like I don't know, this might be problematic. I hope it's not, but they kind of went a little the werewolf kind of went a little Chinese, right? You notice that he had like a full Fu Manchu for no reason. He looked like a Chinese dude, but he wasn't. He was wait, wait. Know. Why did Frankenstein have a mustache though? That's what I was everybody's there's so many different like everybody what is going on. Yeah, I didn't understand because Frankenstein doesn't look like Frankenstein. I was like, wait, no, is that no. Asian Frankenstein? I'm confused. <laughs> His eyes were closed the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get it. I was like, where's these origin stories? What's the Mexican folklore on this stuff? Maybe we know, do dude. maybe we do need the monster verse after all. Guillermo, oh, del, yeah, and, Guillermo del Toro, and, direct the MonsterVerse, please. I'm honestly and, wishing we'd done some like research for this episode. You know, <laughs> well, I didn't think we would and get both that. Both of the doctors and both of the doctors have ancestry from Transylvania for some fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh. this shit There's so bad. many details in this movie that are just amazing. I love smoked a pipe and no smoke came out. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I think uh no I I do love the fact that he had a Frankenstein squad. Like that's un, yeah. that's undone. Like no one does that shit. Right? Yeah, no yeah. one everyone Frankenstein literally the Frankenstein the the original Frankenstein had one Frankenstein monster. My man's Dr. Halder had like seven, seven or eight Frankenstein. That's drip on levels unimaginable. <laughs> like just a super huge flex. He was like, I'm not going to do this once. I'm going to yeah. do it a bunch of times. I love the mummy. First off, the mummy was literally my favorite part. My favorite scene. <laughs> the laziest character. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't even go to Egypt. They just go to a random spot in Mexico. We'll get and, like, to in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Um, in the meantime, while the blue demons getting captured, Santo is driving around in a hot whip. He's got the girlfriend. He's making out with the mask on. So it's just one of the best scenes in the movie. Kennedy. Kennedy. problems right so, there. So much raw energy. Like, yeah, yeah we're going to we're gonna make out, but this isn't coming off. No. Kennedy, I literally, <laughs> Kennedy, you know me. I literally turned to my wife and I said, this man, this man's living the life. He's got that white girl pussy. 
<laughs> oh my god! In the seventies, that was not that was unheard of, unheard of. Barriers. He's like, I was like, life is perfect for him. <laughs> when they got down in the grass, I was like, wait a minute, did I put Zodiac Killer on again? <laughs> oh, he got that. I love that the mask stays on during sex. I'm gonna just that's oh, yeah. that's it now. Yo, I'm move. going to work. I'm going to I work watched, with this thing. I watched the YouTube video. I watched the YouTube video to get more backstory on Santo the Silver Mask, and even the Mask Brits life. are like enamored by Santo. And they're talking about him. And I'm like, yo, I kind of want to wear a mask. For like every single public facing thing I do, I want to always just have a mask on. Like That's, it's just low. This is, it's life. We That's life. We, I, the moment you sent me this movie, I'm telling you, it awoken something in me. <laughs> I don't take this shit off. I wear this all the time now. I wear this when I work out, right? Because there's something about it that just gets my form better. You know what I'm saying? I'm. I was like debating the other day. I'm like, should I go for a jog in the mask? Because I guarantee you, I'll get stuff. But I, it's almost, it's almost worth it. Like this. Yeah. This. Oh man. All my Zoom calls are now like for work. I'm in business meetings and shit, wearing the three piece suit and the fucking mask. That's the move. Honestly, that's the move from now on. From this yeah. day on, I vow to always wear this mask and this blazer. Whenever I go to some kind of formal public gathering, you can catch me at the fucking art gallery, fucking smoking cigars and drinking champagne and hanging out with my gold chain and my blazer. This is you've you've elevated the ain't shit show to a whole new era. Of yeah, drip. seriously. I don't think we can ever go back. Yeah, I think we, I think we're in costume forever now. That's the way it is. That's why I super glued my mask. Oh, gorilla I gorilla glue? glue. I glue this bitch on. We're we're not taking we, it off. We yeah. need to pull up the designs. This Damn. this man like Tony Starked his masks. Like he had masks under masks under masks. He had masks specific for eating. He had masks specifically for formal attire. He had masks yeah. specifically probably for swimming too and being in the shower or probably. hot days, cold days. Oh, yeah, he- he did Ridiculous. swim with the mask on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he literally did wear that. layers of masks so that if he was in the ring and someone tried to pull off his mask, whoop, gotcha. Another you mask. Don't think, you don't think it's anybody like would Master notice Chief it was like at five the end knots of on Halo that shit? One. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Oh, me. Sorry, there's just so much things to talk about. We're not about. breaking the illusion of what makes wrestling magical today. <laughs> <laughs> Sancho's date is interrupted when the blue demon comes running out in the road like, hey, I need help. I need help. Uh, What's up? And he's got some of the Frankensteins with him. And it becomes clear that the blue this is not the real blue demon right away, which leads to some fighting. The reason why this is clear is because blue demon shows up right in front of his car and he stops the car. He's like, yo, what up? What's going on? And the blue demon doesn't say shit. That replica, that oh, replica doesn't him, say just shit. Fucking socks him in the mouth. <laughs> he just fucking, he just fucking just starts wailing on him. And this isn't the first. This isn't the last time this happens. It, it's just, it's every time. It's every fucking time. It's no like Omaiwa. Oh Shinderu type shit. None of that stuff. It's just like nah. Start fucking pounding him. Yo, and I yeah. love that I love that Santo doesn't like take a minute to be like, what's going on with my friend? He literally is like, oh, the homie's throwing hands. And he immediately <laughs> it's just, it's he time immediately, to go. Yeah, immediately is ready for action. 
It's just <laughs> imagine like filming this and then people just roll up on this and it's like, yeah, this a couple of homies having fun out here in the desert. <laughs> the way it is. The, the way of the homie is always be ready for war, but always be ready to be with your lady. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, if your weapons are your hands and your body, then you've always got the thing on you. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they it keep works. That motherfucking thing on. <laughs> body, Picture of my fist. <laughs> Keep that motherfucking thing on me. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, easily one of the sickest fight scenes because they, yeah, like, like the it's standing and, shots, standing yeah. shots the whole fucking time. And there's, and there's literally no like, just the like Santo switch from being like, oh shit, like my friend's hitting me was just like punching. He's like, this it's on. We're fighting now. There's no, there's no what happened to my friend. There's no, like, nah, you're, you're, this, you fucked up. You're, caught, you're catching hands now. Essentially, this is like a reverse anime. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For real, no like two minutes of exposition. None of that shit. It's literally just vibes, action, vibes, action, constantly. The whole movie's like that. It's crazy. Wow, I can't believe Blue Demon hit me on the, my face with his hand there. <laughs> What's happening? Why, Why is my friend acting like this? Uh, what could be yeah. causing this strange rift between us? He used to be friends forever. We well, used that Santo Pack. We only Pack. we only fight in the ring, but now we're fighting outside. What does this mean? Our None friendship. Oh my no, God. I thought it was unbreakable. Maybe he really is a demon. <laughs> is he possessed? Oh my God. <laughs> Um, and I, what I love too is that you know they're throwing blows, but then also like they're using the car to do some wrestling moves, like Sancho oh, yeah. like climbs oh, yeah. up the car and does a yeah, body yeah. slam, that and you cool. know it's just like it's just like a really clever way. Like you don't initially see that car sitting there at the beginning of the fight and think, oh, that's a wrestling prop, but then they're using it like one, and it's just like they do that a lot in this movie and i really yeah. this was one of the first like really dope fight scenes that just i i was like pogging you know <laughs> just like oh shit these dudes are throwing down it's going on i couldn't um, believe like i think at this point of the movie i was just like i couldn't believe i had any doubts that this might be bad <laughs> because it's a movie from 51 years ago you know a lot of shit doesn't age well but this this did sure. for the most part the ring is everywhere. That's what I love the most about it. The whole yeah. world is the ring. G Gundam out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard um, that. <laughs> so next up, Santo, unfortunately, although he fights very valiantly, he can't beat Clone Blue Demon and two Frankensteins unprepared. Not yet. Um, he hasn't received yeah. the Zenkai boost. Well, also he, you know, he probably wasn't at full strength because he probably was rocking like a half of one down there. So, you know, like, he, was, he wasn't he he wasn't thinking with up here his 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 you know his fighting brain. He was thinking with the other brain. Yeah, half so, job is no way to fight, man. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so unfortunately, he does lose, and uh, the blue demon clone throws him off a cliff, which was sick. It's so yeah. thick. He he takes his pratfall in a suit and tie. With, with, and he does the fall. It's not a body yeah. double. It's not Wait a, a ball. He doesn't throw him off the cliff. He 
is carrying him on his shoulder, puts oh, his yeah. ass down on the cliff, and then pushes him up. <laughs> like, this dude, that was one part of the All right. I was like, this dude is literally carrying a 200-pound man and can't throw him off a cliff. <laughs> he has to gently put him down and roll him over. <laughs> Yo, like, that's that's how I knew that the, the what is it, the Blue Demon clone had a little bit of the homie love in him still. Yeah, right. Like, I, could, I could destroy this man's life, but I'm going to just gently push him down this <laughs> Yeah, that that scene was brutal. Like he he felt that shit didn't look like it felt good. Yeah, that yeah. Was a legit rolling tumble. rolling <laughs> down that hill did not was not a fun experience. That was a fucking that was a fucking wild. I was just like, but then he catches himself and yep. so he catches himself <laughs> and starts scrambling back up the cliff. In the meantime, the bad guys have stolen his girlfriend uh, in yet another relatively nice seventies car. So many good cars in this movie. Oh, yeah. 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 I was like, man, really, they really don't make really cars like they cars. used to. <laughs> um, I, I became they, a yeah. boomer for like two seconds. I was like, man, <laughs> I want a fucking uh, hot whip like that. What? New Santo would be in a Maybach for sure. Like he would just be Maybacked out no matter what. Anywhere he went. The real Maybach music. That's the new Santo would be like that. That car took up two parking I'm spots at it. least. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Like, that was some Batmobile type shit. Santo catches himself. It takes him a minute, but he scrambles his way up this embankment, up the cliff. He gets back to his car, and he pursues the car that's getting away, manages to catch up to them, which begins a high-speed chase. They tried. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they sure did. They, they, There's a they few tried. shots that are pretty good, like when Santo's girlfriend jumps from car to car. They did a good job. That was with that insane. One. I, I, when she did that shit, I was like, "Oh, that was like that, that was a that, really that's, legit stunt." That that's your that's your chick for life, dog. Like <laughs> my you favorite part. You don't was leave when, that. You don't leave that. My favorite part of that chase is when um the driver from the bad guy car starts literally just swerving less left to right. <laughs> On just a straight road, like as if that's gonna fucking do anything. But then Santo just mimics him, like starts swerving right behind him. Like, dude, what are you guys fucking doing? Playing, he's playing mind games. You don't get it. <laughs> I was trying to justify like, it by okay. saying, like, if you act unpredictable on a straight road, you can't get shot down as easily. <laughs> also, um, if he's trying to save his lady, you know. Yeah. Do you really want yeah, to risk better, it? Better better start swerving left or right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the move. That's the move. That's the move. The turntables get turned. It ends up being the bad the bad people that go tumbling off a cliff this time in their car. The car blows up, but evil blue demon climbs out of the flaming car on fire like I'm not done yet, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, Santo realizes that this this whole shit that he and the Blue Demon were talking about at the beginning, this is serious. So he meets up with Good Lennon. <laughs> they go to they go to the <laughs> the cemetery um, to see if Doctor Halder's body is there. It's super not. Everybody kind of gets up to speed in that regard. In the meantime, we start getting introduced to Doctor Halder's monster team, beginning with the vampire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you have things to say about the vampire, right? I'm pausing because I feel like somebody wants to say something about the vampire. 
but he a bad motherfucker. Well, well, yeah, he had he had wild amounts of drip. Like he was like immaculately just dripped out from the coffin from like yeah. which I don't understand. I, Honestly, <laughs> the best foil DeSanto. The best foil yeah. DeSanto. Like he was like a mid-level boss, but like hot damn for a mid-level boss, he was really fucking good. You know? He was like um he was like uh in Dark Souls 3, right? One of those bosses that you don't have to beat. You know what I'm saying? The boss you don't have to beat to beat the game, but you like stumble on him accidentally and he just beats the living shit out of you. That was what the vampire was. Because he was just like some random dude. He was just like kind of like, yo, this ain't even my fight. And then he like instantly. <laughs> but his drip. I, I can't get over like just how swagged out he was. I'm waiting for a particular door. scene before I go too in depth on him. It's coming. <laughs> and he <laughs> I, I did like in the intro of the vampire how, like, it's like even the villains can kind of barely control him. Like, he's one of those kind of monsters right away where, like, he starts attacking the minions and shit and they have to use this, like, weird magic ring on him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was some, like, fucking Marvel Studios type shit. <laughs> I was like, what? Busted out a ruby or, ring. Like, or like old Batman. Yeah. How they would always have these bizarro gadgets that they pull out. You know, here's the shark repellent spray. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's the vampire control ring. We brought <laughs> it. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> oh, my God. I sent back a bunch of box tops and I got the vampire control ring. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, I mean, that's the, that's the best prize. The rest of them suck. <laughs> yeah. After that, we get the mummy. Another. Oh, my favorite. Literally my favorite. Legit, like this is when I this is when my wife and I kind of like disagreed on how good this scene was. See, like (laughs) I thought that this was amazing because for the low fucking budget that they did here, I'm talking like they had like twenty dollars for this shit. And they found like bodies, uh, they found like dead like skeletons on like the side of a road or something and picked them up and they threw like fucking webs on it and shit. I was in it. I was sold. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, cool. I just, I just I love like, that. They're in some type of tomb, and they're fucking open it up, and there's a mummy. Cool. And their wife's like, that no, mummy- that's supposed to be like they're in a tomb in Egypt or whatever. And I'm like, use your imagination. It's 1970. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't even in a tomb in Egypt. I love that that the, the mummy's tomb was within walking distance of the cave lab. That <laughs> was like not like and i love that like you don't there's no break in the illusion in that like they don't because the actual cave setting of the lab you can still see the lighting from that from that if you were paying attention you could see the lighting from the cave lab mm-hmm. in the cave like in the where they find <laughs> in the tomb they like it's walking distance it was like it was just like yo so there's a mummy over there i'm gonna bring him back at some point it's like they were just <laughs> digging out the lab and then they're like, oh, hey, look at this mummy's tomb. Dr. Halder's like, cool, just seal that back up for now. We'll come back to that. Spring we're cleaning. We're going to get to that guy. It's just, yeah, I like how the literally. mummy, like, his eyes were fucking open when they opened that dude. It's like, like not dead yet. So this is something that was interesting to me. Was I that, was like, living the dream. So are all, are all of these monsters dead? And therefore, Dr. Halder's, like powers bring them back from the dead yes or or is it that he like figured out specific ways to control each of them 
and that because like I they never clear any of that up. Yeah, and big. also and also why was the swamp monster behind a brick wall that got burned down? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's the next the next one after the mummy is the. Sorry, it ruined it. The, the, no, you're totally you're totally good. But the the, the, the next one is the uh, the swamp monster, and it's yeah, it's behind this like paper wall or something <laughs> that you have to burn what? to get he just burns it with like a blowtorch that he just had around because he was taking fat dabs or something probably <laughs> just like here i'll just try this and it just burns away this barrier and lets this monster out i don't really know who thought that scene was great <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> when they you came know, up with that one, <laughs> you know what, maybe I, what I just realized right now was that like the the weed in the seventies, because I guarantee you that some weed got smoked while they were making this film, right? The weed in the seventies was absolutely trash. If we yeah. just brought our mids to us, like our mids, our mids, then that we just would have got like this crazy. We would have got Dune. We would have got like a Dune <laughs> sequel, right? Because <laughs> the, the creative team behind this just was like, "Fuck it, this is, it doesn't need to make sense, right?" They were just. I was <laughs> sold. I was sold. <laughs> I'm good. I thought this was all cool. I was like, oh, "Okay, oh. whatever." <laughs> yeah. I no, I just I can't imagine if we if we went back in time and gave him some of our mids. We just would have had like Santo versus Dune, and that would have been <laughs> that would have been the whole movie. It would have been sick. Yeah, yeah. I want that. I want Luchador <laughs> Dune. Oh my god! Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's <laughs> you've uh, you've sold me we on have, this. <laughs> we have to we have to raise money. We're gonna make Luchador. We're gonna. Dune. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. We'll do it. <laughs> we'll sell T-shirts at the whole start. <laughs> so. All the monsters are brought back to the lab, including the Wolfman, and I think maybe like one more that it's not explained where it came. There's a few that aren't explained where they came from, and uh, they're all put in these like tubes with some kind of brain controlling device at the top uh, of typical like 60s, 70s kind of. This is what a brain controlling device looks like, kind of fashion and uh, very orby. Oh, that Trump orb, yeah. yeah. Prior, like, like, like yeah, like it's very like, word. like it's very like uh, Jetsons kind of type shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly that kind of vibe. Um, and Doctor Halder, you know, does his evil magic or whatever, and this this is his monster squad now. This is how he's gonna take over. Yeah, I don't know everything. He's, he's maybe. assembled the League of Villains. His, his his motivations seem a little unclear. Like in I terms think he's of just like a mad goal. scientist, right? Like, yeah, because like he's just like I've mastered life, and now I've mastered control, and I'll take over the world. Uh, was he, I? I don't even think he was gonna take over the world. I thought his whole plan was like I'm just gonna fuck up. Santo. Like, yeah, Santo's <laughs> yeah. day. I just I feel like I Santo. Up, yeah, I'm just here to fuck up Santo's day. I'm not even trying to do anything else. Like, which and his brother. brother. Yeah, yeah. Literally, he's just like, on like a best... I'm trying to kill God type shit. Well, I, dude, I didn't get any of that from him. I literally I've... just got like, look, look, I can do all this cool shit. I'm going to go fuck up this dude's life. And then when I'm done, I'm done. I don't, I don't to, I'll probably go back dying. Like, he had that vibe to him. Like, he was, he's not, I wouldn't even, I would say that he's not even evil. My man just had a beef. He just had beef. Oh, like Perfect it. Cell in Dragon Ball Z? I mean, yeah. 
I'd have beef too if I lived in a fucking cave with no beds, yeah, with fucking science equipment. Like, literally, never saw that fool's house. That house is unfinished. The castle's unfinished, dude. This fool lives in a cave I was, with, a, yeah. with a bunch of monsters and one horny vampire. <laughs> like, this doesn't seem great. That's not the only horny vampire. Was with I don't know, man. I just, I just, you know, I kind of sided with the doctor for a little bit when I saw. Yeah, him. I kind of feel bad for the doctor. <laughs> how, my man, how my man's gets down. Man's living, house. Yeah, see how my man's living. It's rough, dude. I'd be pissed off too. That's bad for Mexico at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the lackey that wanted to do the experiments. That was a fucking oh, yeah. crazy scene. Cause like because of the way it was shot, as I was saying earlier. I was like thinking about man, like wanting to experiment on live human beings is some like truly, truly like vile, sick shit. Like morally, like just morally, oh, like yeah. that made me think about the morality of like experimentation. <laughs> I was on that type of plane when I was watching the movie. In case you haven't noticed, definitely. <laughs> I was like, damn, dude, this guy wants to experiment on live people. Why? Not e- like not even for like research purposes. No, just, just like it's like a wild concept. They've already figured out how to resurrect people. It's like why? What is there left, why, to, do? What is there left to do? But nah, <laughs> this person is just experimenting. Just exp- I'm like, why at that point? Jesus. Probably wanted to switch bodies. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah Who would want to be like Blue Demon, bro? That's Blue Demons. <laughs> And that would explain why Blue Demon is kind of just like a drone, right? The replica just acts like a drone the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's some backstory. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> some context. Some lucha lucha truther show. <laughs> so the monsters head out to town and just start fucking shit up. Just start wrecking stuff. Just making people's days really bad, killing people, and. uh terrorizing and santo is out just on patrol like i gotta start finding the monsters and it just kind of ends up by chance that like monster number one is the swamp cyclops which leads to that fight was pretty pog. a very interesting scene well before the fight um swamp cyclops is like chilling underwater and santo is like swimming around looking for him before they fight just a very I don't even think he was look. Honestly, I don't even think he was looking. I think Santa was like, "I just got my ass beat. I need to chill out. I need to relax." You know, like after you catch a fade from your homie, you you gotta do something so you don't fucking buck up next time you see him. So he's like, "You know what? I'm gonna take my mind off this. I'm gonna take a swim." And it was just chance that the Cyclops was there. That's kind of how I read that scene, right? Like I I understood something deeper about like needing to go for a swim so you don't kill your best friend. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, the movie doesn't always explain itself very well. I think that interpretation is probably just as valid. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of like interpretive scenes in this movie. <laughs> you really gotta, Santo, really Santo gotta talk to your somebody, head to it. and he says that the monster is hanging out in a lagoon. Then he goes in the water, oh, and okay. they show a bunch of pictures of um, <clears throat> Pacific. Sea life, <laughs> yeah, like little, little crocodiles and stuff. Yeah. I think I checked well, out yeah, a little they, bit. I well, was they, like, they what? show like yeah, a bunch of like a bunch of literally like ocean fish, and then like some river crocodiles. And meanwhile, so you gotta meanwhile, get your money's worth. Pacific or a river, I don't fucking know where he's swimming. But while he's swimming, the Cyclops is chilling on land <laughs> with fake water effects. Let me add, 
Yeah. And then Santo comes out of the lagoon and the Cyclops is just fucking standing there. <laughs> when did he come out of the water? I don't fucking know. But if you notice that the backdrop when they show the Cyclops is actually just the forest they've been filming in front of the entire time, plus some fake like plants in front of him and some bubble effects. <laughs> like it's so sick. <laughs> Clearly they couldn't get the Cyclops costume wet. <laughs> like <laughs> no, that was not an option. <laughs> and then Santo comes out of the fucking water. Like the shallowest water. <laughs> this was literally laying down in water and gets up. And then, and then the fight scene starts, yeah. <laughs> Um, the fight is good. What I like about it is that they don't make it one of those things where it's just like, oh, the solution is just keep punching harder. It's like Santo keeps trying to beat up this Cyclops and like you can't just you can't just punch this thing. Like it's kind of it's kind of immune to just like a, a normal barrage of human attack. Uh, and so Santo, like he tries punching it. He tries to like wrestle it a little. It's basically a statue. He gets a stick. He beats on it. Like not that much is doing some good until he gets a sharp stick, and then he stabs the Cyclops. And that at that point, it's over for Cyclops at least for the moment. <laughs> and that's when uh, we're like, yeah, there's a body count. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was definitely it was brutal. Like, it was brutal. It was a little more violent than I kind of expected from like what had come so far, mm-hmm. especially for the movie. Like for its time, is pretty intense. They really went for it. Like Santo can't beat this thing, and he's like struggling, and he's getting more desperate. And when he stabs the monster, like it's just like he's like ah! just like crazed. Did uh yeah. go on. You gotta unleash that like deep when you catch a fade from your homie. That's it's part of the therapeutic aspect of you know what I mean. Sometimes you just gotta stab a monster. I get it. I fully understand. Like you, you, you take an L that bad from a clone of your friend. You gotta do. You gotta do something about it. There's a scene. It's not really like correlated with anything other than the fact that you know the monsters are out of town, causing some rampage and causing trouble. Frankenstein interrupts a couple. That's like oh, yeah. sitting out, just like having some lunch and making out, potentially just gonna have some sex or whatever. Frankenstein interrupts this like Jason Voorhees style and just kills both of them. And the way he kills the dude is so fucking brutal. I yeah. didn't like I was like, how what how did they do that? How did they do that effect there? What? That was some good ass editing. Because uh, they he freaks like fucking uh, he goes for the girlfriend, and then the bo- the boyfriend goes up to him to try and stop him, and the dude throws him, and the guy goes like limp. <laughs> like, yeah, I think, like, I think they actually threw the I think they actually threw my man. Like, yeah, <laughs> like he broke some <laughs> fucking ribs with that fucking throw, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, then to go finish the job, which the guy already looks dead, Frankenstein fucking takes his big ass foot and stomps his head in. I was like, oh, yeah, what? What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was definitely pro- that's definitely the most brutal kill of. I thought for sure, movie. like it was kind of surprising to me. Like when when they killed the Cyclops, I was like, oh, it's still kind of like not. That's it's you know it's still kind of a Scooby Doo adventure. But by that point, I was like, <laughs> 
I was like, this is American History X. It just got real. <laughs> this shit is this shit is brutal. I was not ready to watch this. <laughs> I had to like sit down. I was like watching it. I was like working out, and then I'm like, okay, I actually have to. I have to sit down. This is this is real. Speaking of speaking of the whole movie, I'm sorry, but I actually have to go to work. Sorry, but I really want to stay and finish, but you're I gotta good. go. I gotta not be late. Um, I gotta cut this mask off and try to get the super glue off. You're good. You're good. To work, so. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but you guys enjoy, and uh, and I'll catch you guys next time. Thank you so much, I'm man. Really All glad right, we got to hang out with you. Yeah, of course, we'll do it again. Uh, anyways, continue. All right, I'll see you guys. <laughs> so at this point, like the monsters are still doing antics around town, and it's really starting to spill over into Santo's life because like the monsters come and attack him and the scientist at like this like place where they hang out a lot, this like office that I think might be the scientist's office, although it's really unclear. I'm assuming this based on the fact that it's not Santo's office from the beginning of the movie. Um, <laughs> the, the vampire attacks his girlfriend. Like, there's just a lot of, like, fighting and violence and madness going on. Of course, Evil Blue Demon, all these other monsters are still kind of, like, uh, messing him up. Um, but then Santo whips out a gun. That's right, <laughs> folks. The movie continues to escalate. <laughs> like, at some point during the brawl, this gun ends up on the floor, and someone's like, Santo, a gun! And he just grabs it and starts blasting. Like, yeah. no hesitation. He's in a room full of monsters, and he's done with their shit. Yeah, it's it's very, like, and I think that's when, like, we get, like, a the kayfabe of a Scooby-Doo action-adventure flick to, like, a James Bond type situation the whole thing changes and it becomes like this super stylized james bond like type adventure and i that's he's about that action he's about that action he's yeah right he's yeah the deadliest man alive easily there's definitely a lot of james bond vibes just like all around i think but we could talk about more at the end you know things have kind of escalated to a pretty extreme height and at this point it's uh Oh, yeah. No, I rem- okay. I remember why I'm confused even. Okay, because the next thing that happens is random as hell. Um, because the next thing that happens is uh, uh, Santo gets challenged to a, a luchador match and he has to do that. And it's completely unrelated to everything else that's been going on, more or less. So just like, just like Rube, my man had to go to work, dude. Like, it's, <laughs> it's the most Mexican thing in, on, on the planet. Having these huge problems, but still having to go to work, you just gotta go. You gotta go and do handle your shit, and then you come back. And like it. his girlfriend, who was getting attacked by a vampire like a few minutes ago, is just there in the crowd cheering and stuff. Like everybody's Can just we like, talk about that stop for a everything. Bit? Like, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta. Santos wrestling. Put aside all the concerns, all the worries. We gotta watch this. This is the good shit. Yeah. So real quick before we hop into that, the vampire. So the. <laughs> This is what I was going to say, but I didn't want to spoil it ahead of time. Every single time that vampire bites a woman, it always ends in a moan. The woman always ends up moaning at the end of it. And it's very awkward. My man's very sensual with his bites. Yeah. He's like fully dripped out. He's like a man that beautiful coming in with the drip, with the drip that, that hard. You know what I'm saying? Like. I'd moan, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the scenes like it's not just like a quick like two second bite. Like this man bites and he's biting for like two minutes. 
<laughs> well, while the chick is just screaming for help, and then it just ends in a moan. I'm like, bro, what? What is going on here? Well, so I don't know if this is really a subject for this podcast entirely, because this could take like a whole hour and a half on its own. But there's a whole discussion to be had about um, the way vampires represented sexuality, especially in more repressed times. Uh, really? Because a, a vampire, yeah, vampires, uh, like the sexual message of a vampire is that uh, we are not greater than our desires. Oh. And so there's a lot of like historically queer coded vampires. And a lot of there's some like vampire lore that involves like interracial stuff that's like from certain periods, specifically because it was like this thing where you're expressing forbidden love. And so whatever was forbidden at like various times was often expressed through this vampire myth. Yeah, the motif of like yeah. of transfer of vampirism from one person to another was kind of like the the consequence of expressive of expression of that love. You know what I'm saying? Like, that does that yeah. make it like like an STD? It's like a word for like, but it, it's not necessarily an STD. But like, you will feel bad or you will not survive. Yeah, no, I I, I did a bunch of like shit about that too. I actually, it's yeah. weird how <laughs> synchronicity that is. <laughs> yeah, no, I never knew about that stuff. But that was that was yeah. like I was just like, why, why, why does it, why, why is the scene so long? Why, why did they drag it out like that? I think if you, there's a lot of like lack of of sex appeal in this movie that like traditional sex appeal. Yeah. Like in a lot of other ways, there was a lot of like there's a lot of sex appeal in a lot of like media at the time that was literally just like there's sexual tension between characters. But in, in this one, how they crammed it in was through the vampire character. And like even the vampires, the, the female vampires, like they they made them super hypersexualized. And I think the reason why they did that was because they wanted to keep the Santos girlfriend as like pure, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like this concept of pureness and, and untouchability, which is why they, you know, vampires are always going to be sexual, but this one, because it's such a cartoonishly made movie and they make everything super cartoonish. They just made it super expressive and it works. And also because it's from that more sexually conservative era, it's like this was an acceptable way to have a highly sexually charged thing is through the lens of a vampire because it's culturally understood that that's like a part of their mythos and that like it doesn't necessarily, especially at that time, represent a quote unquote good sexuality. You're not necessarily making it positive. Um and so, like, when you, you know, when you kind of twist things that way, a lot of times it makes it more acceptable to, like, a conservative media audience. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, why, why, why are these scenes? Like, and, and the thing is, is that it, it's not just once that this happens, right? Like, this happens multiple times through the movie with this one character. It ends the same way every single time. And even with the, uh, the girlfriend, uh, she gets bitten a bunch of times, which I guess, I, I guess you can't transfer vampirism unless there's like a specific ritual that happens. You gotta have yeah. consent. That's, <laughs> that's, that's I, how it works. I have to point out too, even when the vampire is first introduced and he bites the minion, it's kind of sexual. Like that, that uh, Frankenstein minion kind of like goes relaxed and he goes limp. And he's sort of like this this look of sort of like peace and bliss comes over his face as the vampire is like attacking him. 
Just saying. Yo, that that mean you're a little sus. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go uh, back. You gotta take that L and go back to the homies and be like, uh, y'all didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, didn't, that didn't go down the way you thought it went down. <laughs> it's okay if it happens in the ring, just not. Yeah, not yeah, outside it's, the ring. that's fine in the uh, ring. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was so, heavy foreshadowing, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, right, because of course that whole random wrestling match—it wasn't so random in the end. It might have seemed random when Santa took the job, but this is all set up by Doctor Halder. He's got his monsters on the sidelines. The wrestler is a vampire. It's all a ruse. And the only thing that saves Santo's life from the vampire is that his girlfriend has got the crucifix um, around her neck and runs up to the ring and like shows, like forces the vampire to look at her necklace <laughs> to like drive him off so that they can try to escape. The wrestling match turns into complete chaos. People are trying to escape as all these monsters attack. The time the cops arrive, I'm telling you, like when Santo that wrestling match, like that wrestling match was amazing. Do you guys feel the same way? When Santo showed up in that silver cape, no shirt on, just the pants, the cape, Mm -hmm. the mask, I was like, that that's Superman. (laughs) that that's superman right there yeah he came through ready for business like that's his business attire it's that's right like the formal attire that he wears is his leisure attire but his actual like business suit that he wears is the cape and the slacks and he's ready to do damage and like you know what i i noticed in the ring is that he was wearing dress shoes in the ring which is one of the sickest i i can't get over the fact that you're just whooping someone's ass in dress shoes, <laughs> you know how hard it is to get like any kind of grip on anything. Oh, like, yo, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. So yeah, the, a yeah. super yeah, very impressive. A lot of style. It's a really good fight. It is funny because the the wrestler that he's fighting, this fellow luchador who's very good as well, and puts up like they between the two of them, like it's a really good fight. Is obviously not the vampire. Like this, like the vampire is like this twiggy guy. Like, not, you know, ripped at all. And then this dude in the ring is jacked. Like, <laughs> massive dude. He had like big shoulders. <laughs> oh my God. That was one of the funniest things for me, for sure. Things kind of go back to the monsters messing stuff up around town. I just, I just, um, sorry. I just had, I was like trying to, th- I was thinking of Zarbon for a hot minute. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, damn. And uh, at this point, the vampires have been going around town seducing some women and turning them into vampires. And so now we have the lady vampires, the vampettes, sends them off to go do their work, which is uh, try to seduce Santo. Because, you know. But Santo, Santo's pure. I actually like that Santo's kind of Okay, also. all right. <laughs> <laughs> This is like this was pulling me back to like Tommy from from season uh fucking three type shit. <laughs> it's a little sus. It's a little. He's a little too quick to just be like, yeah, let's get in this car. So so he does the whole like she does like the whole like. I don't have anybody else that I'm thinking about right now. It's fine. Yeah, she's like, hey, you want to come like drive me home? 
<laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure. You need help? Yeah, that's fine. And he gets in the car. And I'm like, you know what? Fine, whatever. But then they pull up to like this grassy field area and he puts his arm around her chair. And <laughs> I, w- I was saying, I was just like, oh man, this is like a fucking cat Kimberly type shit season three all over again. And then I was like, what if she was giving him directions and then like he was following the roads or whatever that she was telling him. And he was just like, man, this, this chick lives out in the country, whatever. And he pulls up to the grassy fields and he puts his arm around the chair and he's just like, all right, what do you, what, what's going on here? <laughs> you tell me what's up. <laughs> nah, man, you, you misread this whole situation, right? <laughs> Santo Santo is pure. He's kind of he doesn't even like his his lady. That little romp that he had with his lady for him, that's like full sex. Just a little romp, you know what I'm saying? Because he's too pure, he keeps it. He keeps it for the ring. That sexual energy. He puts it in the ring. That's why he's able to beat the shit out of people, right? In dress shoes. That's where the power comes from. Because no, I, he's fully like he's Valsel, but that doesn't mean he can't flirt. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> like that's that's how I read it. That's how like he was just kind of like, "Yo, I'm I'm a flirt, but I ain't gonna do nothing else." Right? <laughs> He's like one of those those Mormon kids that has like a bunch of weird sex acts you've never heard of that are like not meant to be full sex. Yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> the weird stuff. Like, let me rub your ears for an hour. <laughs> like, oh no. Uh, you know, she just she just held my cock. She didn't jerk on it or anything. She just held it. <laughs> It's, it's it's fine. It's pure. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's love. <laughs> she, let, she let me lick the inside of her nose, and that was it. That was, was it. <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> oh my god! So Santo starts to make out with the vampire lady, but she's the vampire. Oh no! And then there's monsters everywhere. Oh no! Uh, Santo once again kind of gets his shit pushed in because there's just a bunch of monsters. Cyclops is back. By the way, I forgot to mention this scene, but there's a whole scene where they stitch Cyclops back up back at the lab, like do surgery on him. Um, and he's back. And, fucking uh, wild. Just automatically know the biology of the fucking Cyclops. Perfect enough to resuscitate. Dr. Halder. He's a genius. He's a sometimes. <laughs> Mexican Mexican excellence. (laughs) (laughs) Literally solving death and you know foreign like foreign entities. Like it's pretty amazing, really. Santo barely is able to get away in the car. He meets up with his girlfriend and the scientist, and they're all like, damn, this this shit is really bad. (laughs) Like our town is overrun by monsters. Nothing is really fixing the problem. Uh, let's go out to dinner. And um, okay. there's a, this... a musical performance at dinner that takes some time, which is kind of interesting because we're getting close to the end of the film and you're kind of assuming that like they're going to use every minute wisely, but no. <laughs> so Me- I didn't Mexican... have a problem with this. My only yeah. issue was... I didn't was... have a problem with it. I just thought it was a funny a funny choice at the height of the climax. I agree. Like, Let's Mex- go for dinner and have this dance scene. <laughs> Mexican cinema has always been about the vibes, right? <laughs> vibes over plot over F- vibes, right? And they needed, you were too hyped. That was a problem as an American, as an American, like 
you know viewer watching movies you're used to like marvel cinema like cinematic where it's hype 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 and then like it ends on hype you know what i'm saying like there's just so much hype because you're waiting for the next one and the one after that and it's just the constant build whereas this is kind of like yo enough hype let's just kind of hang out let's watch this let's while you're while they're eating dinner you should eat some dinner yeah. You should chill out. <laughs> like, watch this. Just watch this. It's cool. Like, and it it works for me. It worked. I was like, oh yeah, I love this. Yeah, uh, I will also say this is to an extent. I think also just a product of the era because even some American films kind of have this problem back then, where like I said, the modern film expectations weren't always met, and sometimes you just have these sudden tonal shifts at random points in the movie that like wouldn't necessarily pass a modern studio's inspection or like a modern audience's desire, especially American, you know, audience's desires. But like, yeah, it's just like, you know, um, they wanted to film this, this sweet dance scene. So they did. So they're actually, what's really <laughs> interesting is they're doing like uh folklorical dancing, which is like, it's like a Mexican folk dancing thing. And it has like, evolution it started out as like spaniards teaching native mexican populations like waltzes and shit and native native mexican populations took that like from their like tribal traditional dances that they would do and they like intertwine the two of them so it's actually like a very mexican thing well it's actually interesting here too because they take it to the next level and they entwine it with a little bit of broadway as well yeah and which is like what i liked the most about it is that it does have that Broadway element of like a dance number, right? Like a, a you know, and especially in the sixties and seventies, the sixties, especially there was a lot of movies that just straight up unnecess- unnecessarily had a full on Broadway dance number. And yeah. so like the, the Look, Mexican version of that is so, yeah. The restaurant scenes where Santos sitting at the, sitting at the table and stuff. I was like, that's straight up like a, a Scarface scene. Right, oh, like big the time. entire yeah. the entire like cinematography of that scene and everything was straight up like Scarface. And then on top of that, um, I loved the set design of the the place yeah. that was that was going on. I loved it. It was great. Uh, I think they just literally like just brought it to a local event, pretty much. It oh, just yeah. filmed it. <laughs> uh, Something. That's, that's probably exactly what went down. Yeah, <laughs> it really has that kind of vibe. Um, it. It is random, but I do want to emphasize like it's a really cool scene because the dance is very impressive. As someone who's into dance, uh, it's a very like well done um, scene that yeah, it blends together a bunch of different genres of dance and sort of stage dance and stage music kind of ideas, and um, it's really it's 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 this like it's you're just kind of sitting there like I don't know why this long dance number is happening. But I'm entertained. <laughs> so let's just let's chill. This is fine. <laughs> and uh, I agree. It is kind of like it is kind of like a Scarface thing almost. It is kind of like a gangster movie thing in a way almost. A lot of like you have like the calm before the storm kind of like just like the the people chilling, you know, just having a nice dinner, just being out on the town. I didn't really think of it that way before you said it, Grav, but that's really interesting. There is a bit of a like gangster mystique yeah. to Santo yeah. and how he, how he gets down. All right. So at this point, Santo and his crew are 
chilling, eating dinner, watching the stage show, and Evil Blue Demon shows up. And this is like, I think my favorite fight in the film is like their initial throwdown in the restaurant. They're breaking plates on each other. They're like throwing each other into tables. It's messy. And it's this like, was like, yeah. honestly, this was the most visceral of them all. It literally yeah. felt like I was dining at a restaurant, enjoying my time there. And then a fight broke out and I'm just watching it. Boom. That shit happening. felt like Denny's. That shit felt like Denny's. Two AM in San, like East Side San Jose. A hundred percent. That's literally yeah. what that felt like to me. It and was it, like, <laughs> it, oh man, the I'm just like the beef of, and I just love Santos or uh, Blue Demon's approach of wordlessly, with no explanation, coming through and just instantly like on site. That yeah, <laughs> amazing, amazing. I was yeah. with um, it. It it definitely felt like a fight where like one of these people might die. Like it just had that desperate edge to it immediately. Where like, yeah, it, somebody it, pulls it, a it, knife out. You know, yeah, like it was one of those. Like, like if if a weapon comes out, everybody needs to get out of this restaurant because like this is this is the ugly fight going on. Um, and it it was great, but at the same time, even though it was like ugly and messy in a lot of senses. It was still well choreographed and it was like still showed off a lot of the, you know, just the raw physique of these two very strong and athletic men. And like, it's just a really good fight scene. Like the fight scenes in this film, I feel like would hold up practically forever. Like they're just some of them are just perfectly choreographed. Why hire actors who can't fight and then train them to fight when you could just hire people who fight for a living and train them to be better actors. They already know, <laughs> like they already know how to do fight choreography. They already have the physique, all of this stuff. Like they get showmanship. You know what I'm saying? Like they, yeah, they yeah. get the showmanship of the fight. That's what makes these fight scenes so transcendent beyond the film to today, where we can look at this film from 51 years ago and be like, wow, that is some of the best fighting that I've seen these past couple of years. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I, I watched the fight scene in the restaurant in particular is just like that. That holds up against that holds up better than John Wick for me. That holds up yeah. better than the entire John Wick trilogy for me. Honestly, I am being a thousand percent honest when I say that. Simpacento. Well, because it looks it, it looks like it looks like two homies fighting. Yeah, yeah. Which is like yeah, which is what people. You it, know, looks it looks like, like you, it, you watch. You're watching a YouTube video full screen, but just in yeah. like some pretty good fucking <laughs> camera quality. Amazing, yeah, like a like an amazing lighting YouTube video is what it looks like. Yeah, like like a street fight. It does look like a street fight, like two dudes yeah. just fighting. But it's good. It, yeah, oh, it's just like you're, you're you know your uncles at the barbecue. Oh yeah, throwing that. You ran into your cousin that was talking shit on Facebook. Like, yeah, <laughs> it just has it just has a vibe. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you, like, look, I've been to the East Side. I used to work as a as a like, I used to work as like a driver. And the East Side of San Jose's got a reputation for being like really bad. And like, so I used to drive through there all the time. And I used to stop at like two in the morning at Denny's, get a cup of coffee and some bacon and eggs and something shit like that would pop off all the time like that was and it put me right back and like i was watching i was watching it on film but i was like instantly back like i could smell the coffee and the and the sausage cooking and i was like oh man this shit is sick but yeah no it's yeah 
<laughs> so the scene in the restaurant gets out of hand. More monsters show up. Um, Santo gets briefly knocked out. And during that time, they take his girlfriend once again. Uh, Santo tries to catch up to the monsters, but they leave behind a couple of goons that while they aren't enough to defeat Santo, do keep him distracted for a minute. At that point, Santo is like, I got to I got to chase, you know, I got to chase them all the way back to the castle. We got to finish this. He doesn't say this, but the, the vibe is just that it's it's he wants this to be over tonight. Yeah. You know? yeah. He's like, I'm tired of getting my ass beat. I'm tired of getting jumped by seven people every day of my life. Well, and that's one of the interesting things about this movie, and this is one of the reasons it does kind of remind me of James Bond, of, of this era in particular, is um, it doesn't matter how like incredibly good and strong Santo is, he can't beat four dudes. Yeah. I like, think that's, that's really cool, and that's what's missing from like modern modern hero arcs is that no matter what the dude's gonna come in and like find the woo wop and, and beat the shit out of nine guys where santo gets jumped by three dudes and it's over right it's like yeah he knows like yeah you know one-on-one it's all good maybe even one v2 maybe yeah, maybe, yeah, but, yeah but, but that's like it's borderline depends yeah. on who the two are you know <laughs> well, so, yeah but enough, he eventually enough. works up his way to take on like three or four guys as the movie goes yeah. on, but yeah, he he receives another Zenkai boost. He leaves he lives through it. His power level goes up. There, there is nothing, <laughs> there is nothing more Latino than like taking an L consistently until it's a W. Like that <laughs> that is literally the most like Latino thing you can do the, is get your ass beat every day until you can beat that guy's ass. There's nothing. There's <laughs> nothing more Latino than idolizing Teen Gohan in middle school. <laughs> that's true (laughs) Santo chases them back to the castle and Dr. Halder is planning to turn his brother and Santos' girlfriend and everyone good into bad monsters the way he did with Blue Demon so it's you know things things are just getting worse and worse Santo is the only hope they have left and he faces off against the blue demon, um, the evil one, for the last time down in the cave. Initially, they move outside for a second, not clear why, and then it's back to the cave. Um, <laughs> yeah, they I just love had that fight. some footage. I love that fight scene had a venue change, like unexplained for no reason, and then they. Yeah. <laughs> And the whole time they're doing a, a you know a good gag where they've got somebody else like kind of hidden under this thing and like that's the good blue demon who's like trapped and like currently like asleep or something. That was, I took notice of that. That was some excellent camera angles. Yeah. Like blue demon was properly covered to where you never got to see his face. And then occasionally they do a shot where you can see Blue Demon's face because you can't see the fighters. So they they cut between a few different things to fully sell it. It's it's really well done. Yes, I was um, I was actively the venue watching part, for that Not shit. so much, but <laughs> but the but the two Blue Demons was really well done. At last, Santo is in a brutal fight where even like Blue Demon pulls out a knife at one point. Um, and it like looks like Santo might get stabbed. There's a there's a just all kinds of crazy shit that goes on. Santo finally beats the evil blue demon. 
It's over. And now he is going to get a huge boost because he wakes up good Blue Demon, the real Blue Demon. And he's got an ally again after not having one for this whole movie. It's funny how obvious it is that they wanted to have Blue Demon and Santo fight a lot without making the Blue Demon an explicit bad guy. So they set it up like, he's your homie. And then for 90% of the movie, it's just Santo getting the shit kicked out of him (laughs) by his supposed best friend. And then at the end of the movie, he just wakes up. Good Blue Demon. He's like, hey, we got to rock. Blue Demon's like, yep. We're, we're, We're as tight as it gets. I love how I love how ready for action he was, like instantly ready for it. Like he just woke up from like probably like a nine day coma, and was just like, <laughs> "Yo, like I'm stretching." I don't even know what that is, bro. We're out here. <laughs> I'll catch a cramp later. It's all good. Yeah, okay. Right now, I'm in the moment. I know a monster that needs a fade. <laughs> it's like it's like uh, you know, uh, have, has has your homie ever woke you up? And like you have one of those sleeps where you're like, <gasps> or whatever shit, and, and you're like, "Go, where's the fire? All right, let's go." <laughs> and you just run it and shit. Yeah, he really just woke up like, "Let's fucking go!" <laughs> like that was his whole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, God. this leads to some more good fighting with a lot of just the monsters and minions. What's interesting about this, this continues to reinforce the the shit that we just kind of been talking about in terms of this sort of the brutal realism aspects of this movie, where like you can't just fight five dudes alone. And even, you know, Santo and Blue Demon can't fight five dudes or like six dudes or seven dudes, especially unless they start grabbing stuff like uh, medieval weapons and torches and just wrecking, uh, <laughs> which is what they do. <laughs> They they wreck a bunch of the minions. They fight their way into the lab. There's a brutal fight in the lab. Um, they're trying to beat their way through the various monsters. At one point, I think it's the blue demon makes a cross out of torches and uses it to to force the vampire ladies back, um, which is very funny. Um, <laughs> like it's exciting. It's funny. It's just like a good climactic end as they destroy the lab and sort of drive the monsters back into the cave. It's not clear that all the monsters are killed necessarily. Um, they do kill the vampires. That is clear. Oh, they do that oh, right. Yeah. After. <laughs> oh my fucking God. The way they end this movie. Holy shit. Holy shit. When they beat the bad guys and then they're like, all right, vampires, they got to go. And they just fucking stake all three the of them. All three of them get staked. And there's... if some of these other monsters escape back into the burning cave, that's okay. But the vampires have to die. We can't. We can't let these vampires multiply, man. <laughs> yeah, they triumphantly pose on a hill, and that's the end. The it's castle is burning, and they're watching the <laughs> castle burn, and the credits Bro, it was, roll. It was high-key a shithole because, like, the inside literally looked like a cave. Unless he, like, unless that was a conscious aesthetic choice, which I don't think it was. <laughs> My man's literally looked like he lived in a cave that was a castle. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it was... <laughs> Mad villainy. What a movie. Oh, my God. Kennedy, what would you rate the movie? Uh, it's a solid eight, you know, like it's got some problems, of course, but this is really fun. And especially it might not be an eight 
to just anyone, but if somebody in particular likes action, likes older action, I'd be like, you have to watch this. It might even be a nine for that person, you know? Like, this is a really fun film. The fighting is incredible. I think I've already touched on a lot of the reasons why I like it. Um, its main problems are just that it's from a certain era of storytelling, and as such, there's just some weird incongruous bits that don't really fit in with the rest. And you just kind of have to just let those be uh, <laughs> and yeah. enjoy it anyway. They is what they is. Yeah. yeah. Marcos, what you got? Yo, so I'm going to give this a nueve. Uh, but purely based on on vibes alone, right? The actual movie is a, like an aesthetic masterpiece. There's a lot of like aesthetic things. I I would even say because I watched this movie three times, right? The <laughs> first time I watched it, I watched it with no sound, right? It was like three in the morning. I was like in my front room. I was like doing other stuff, and I was watching it with no sound, just visually taking it in. So I got a and it like from a visual standpoint, this shit is aesthetic. It's like beautiful to watch, right? Not like not in the old sense of like you know the, what people think is beautiful now, which is bright colors and stuff like that. No, this shit is like the vibes of them just hanging out, talking, wearing the suits, fucking cool, right? The monsters looking the way that they are, fucking cool, right? Like even when they look bad, they look cool. Like just the whole thing is this very seventies aesthetic. That it's really beautiful to watch. The second time I watched it, I watched it in Spanish. So I didn't really get much out of it. But when I was watching it in Spanish, it was kind of sick because, like, just the language itself, very poetic, the way that they're saying, like, anything. Yeah. The shit felt like they were half the time they were just, like, fucking, like, I don't know. I, I was just entranced. And the third time when I watched it all in context and I realized, in fact, I'll say that the context actually pulled me out and made it a nine. Because if I watch <laughs> it with no context, it'd be a 10. Because this movie was just vibey as fuck. There's so much, there's so many right. vibes in it. And I can't, I'm saying if you're at a party, you're hanging, you shouldn't be. But in, in the future, if you're at a party and you're hanging out and you guys are talking and bullshitting, throw this shit up on, on your on your TV and just let it happen. I guarantee you people will stop and they'll take a look and comment. It's one of those movies you watch with your homies, for sure. So I'm going to give it an eight as well. Uh, I think this movie is like, carries on its back some of the best action sequences I've ever seen. And that lifts it up quite a lot. I don't think I mind the dialogue too much. I did have a problem with the standing shots. The one thing that I will say that's improved a lot with modern filmmaking, filmmaking over the past 50 years is uh, the dynamicism of shots, right? So the camera could do better tracking and it appears more like action-oriented and stuff. When you get into the sequences that didn't feature dudes fighting... Uh, and there was just like a bunch of like standing shots or uh, very limited cinematography. It did get a little boring. I'm going to say that mm -hmm. for sure. There was definitely some elements where I was like, man. But yeah, no, I think the dynamicism of the shots, It like for me after a while, I was just like, man, this scene's kind of boring. You know, some of the other stuff. Uh, the uh, The play, the Broadway play, I really liked. But like they kept cutting to Santo. Or the girl, his girlfriend. And, like, his girlfriend, one of the interesting parts of the, about that scene that I really liked was that she was smoking a cigarette indoors. And I was like, yes, the 70s. Ah. The good old days. Uh, Up until, like, what, 99, actually. 
Yeah. It was illegal. It was legal up until 99. Yeah, there was a couple of sequences, and it happened in the beginning uh, wrestling match, too, where, like, it kept cutting to Santo, and, like, Santo would, like, just look, and I'm like, all right, you don't have to keep showing me Santo. I'm already, like, kind of hyped for it. I get it. You know, I get okay. the establishment of the scene so- and stuff. You need you need to understand <laughs> sorry, you need to understand the context of Santo, like because you're not a Santo fan. I am a People Santo go fan to now, San- at least. No, 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 now. But I'm saying though, like back in the day, especially at the time, people needed to see Santo because that's what they came here for. Right. You know what I'm saying? Lots of little kids came to watch. You wouldn't believe it, but a lot of little kids probably went and watched that movie, dragged their parents to go watch that movie, because you know Santo's a hero. Like Santo in in Mexico is like a huge deal. So, no, I, I mean, honestly, I would believe it. And it's not, it is different than the American standards of what's kids stuff, what's adult stuff, especially in that era compared to like the way things are now for like, it's a little more similar. Um, but like, I, I think that like, there's nothing in it that's so objectionable that you wouldn't be like, oh, we got to get this nine-year-old out of here or this eight-year-old out of here yeah. really in my mind. You know what I mean? Like, it's really pretty like, there's there's a little bit of intense violence a couple of times, but like I wouldn't knowingly I know. put it on for my son, you know, like I wouldn't knowingly like be like, oh, hey, let's watch this movie together, son, or whatever. And he's he's uh, seven, so like I wouldn't do that. But maybe like if he got a little bit older, yeah, sure, like feels like eleven or twelve or something, I wouldn't mind or ten even. It's it is a little kind of like meh. A little bit too violent for me, especially that Frankenstein head crush was fucking wild. Frankenstein himself got decapitated in this movie. Yeah, that um, does happen. So, yeah. But, like, I think in general, though, now, right, in the context of watching this film in 2021 eyes, there's still just a little bit too much cutting back and forth to crowd react to that type of stuff. That shit's like Dragon Ball Z. Oh, Goku! <laughs> Go- Goku's powered up to a new level, King Kai. What's going to happen now? <laughs> you know, like, th- there's there's still a lot of, like, okay, you know, we don't need to come well, back to the crowd that much. But, like, even it, it would have helped, honestly, it would have helped Blue Demon's match in the beginning of the well, movie what... if they would have, like, stopped cutting to Santo as much. Well, I think, so, that's interesting because that's what primed, I don't, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there is, like, a big, giant, like, boom of Mexican weebs that exists now that didn't exist like maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. And I think a lot of like me- old school Mexican media and the recontextualization actually primed like Mexican weaves because of that. Right. Like that's a thing. It's those, those cutaway shots. It's a very like culturally is it's important that like you see your hero on screen and you watch them. And if you, if you watch like old school Mexican media, like, especially like there's like these cowboy flicks that my grandpa used to watch as a kid when I was a kid and they weren't like John Wayne, they were like Mexican versions of them. And, like, there would be scenes where, like, the bad guy's in the middle of a speech and they would cut to see the guy reacting to it. Or, like, even there would even be, like, scenes, extended scenes, where the guy would just be reacting and you wouldn't even see the guy actually talking on screen. It would just be hearing voiceover while the guy's just reacting to you. And I think that kind of, like, seeing your hero on screen is what's more important than any. you know what I'm saying? I think the thing is, though, is that it interrupts the flow. So, like, yeah. it interrupted the flow of Blue Demon's match quite a bit, and it interrupted the flow of the, the Broadway plays because they would cut to it, like, four or five times in the same play. If it was, like, play happens, cut to them reacting, 
play happens, maybe like a cut one or two times, but it was like fucking five or more mm-hmm. that it was going on. So I think that that really like hurt the film. Also, the car chase sequences were kind of ass. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think also in those moments that you're talking about, Grav, it's kind of the lack of dialogue that makes it especially weird to a modern audience. But they don't say anything. They're just they're just there, you know, appraising the situation. Yeah. And we just we're just seeing them because they're cool, um, which I, I, I do get. But yeah, from a modern perspective, it's like you kind of want during those cuts, you kind of want Santo to occasionally be like, Blue Demon's really doing a good job out there, you know? Like, yeah. just kind of giving his thoughts or something. Or, like, give me interesting but scenes but that's the when you cut lens. back. You know what I'm saying? Like, give me, because, like, mm-hmm. like, I cut back to that part where the girlfriend's smoking a cigarette. I was like, that, that, that compliments the vibe, right? Or even the, the opening Scarface type of sequence where they were sitting down having dinner and talking a little bit and then it cuts to the play. And then it cuts back. Like, mm-hmm. like I don't mind cutting back to that once or twice to that particular scene um, just because it mm-hmm. adds to the vibes, but then it starts detracting from it the more it drags out. You know what I'm saying? No, I know. I get it. Final thoughts. It's definitely an eight for me, eight from Kennedy, and a nine from Marcos. Marcos, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, so I host the ancient show. I'm on Twitter at Ainter show, a I N T E R S H O W. I shit post constantly. Um, you can listen to my podcast on Spotify. We are on Apple podcast. We are on SoundCloud. We are on Stitcher. So yeah, give us a listen anytime. Hell yeah. It's definitely a fun show. Rangers. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, Please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.